Your podcast starts after this quick message from Clear. The average person breathes over 23,000 times a day. That's 23,000 opportunities for allergens and germs to get in your nose and body and wreak havoc. That is, unless you regularly clean your nose and sinuses. So for healthy breathing and a strong body, use Clear Nasal Spray. Clear is a natural nasal spray featuring xylitol, an ingredient clinically proven to work against bacteria and effectively clean, not just rinse, your nose. Clear Nasal Spray quickly alleviates congestion, opens your airway, and ensures your body's natural defenses are strong. In fact, in a recent study, researchers found that xylitol nasal sprays like Clear are just as effective as leading medicated nasal sprays. For better breathing, get Clear today. That's spelled X-L-E-A-R. You can find it at all major retailers, CVS, Rite Aid, Walgreens, Sprouts, Whole Foods, and everywhere else. This is Dr. Holly Lucille's Mindful Medicine. Here's Dr. Holly Lucille. Hi there, mindful listeners. Thank you so much for spending part of your day with us. Listen, you know, um, I've talked about this so much, but when it comes to health, I think it can be very individualized. I think it should be very individualized, right? Everybody's different. We have biochemical differences. We've got genetic differences. Our environment where we live and what influences our bodies and our minds are different. And so I've got somebody who's going to talk about a landmark study regarding personalized, so individualized eating plans that can help reduce inflammation after meals. This is really important because inflammation is really the fuel that flames the fire of most all chronic diseases. And here in the United States, they are on the rise, even though we continue to know more and hopefully do better. Um, but this is big, big, big topic. So I'm going to introduce Dr. Haya Al-Khadib. And she is a, a nutritional scientist and one of the lead nutritionists developing. This is something called Zoe, which we're going to hear more about. It's a test kit and an app. She's got over 10 years of experience in the field of nutrition. And Haya, I should say, is passionate about offering people a biological solution to reduce inflammation, extremely important, and promote healthy weight. Haya, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, so let's, this was a landmark study. So let's, this was published in June in Nature Medicine. Yeah. And uh, yeah, tell me about the study because this is, this is, I mean, and, and it was a really good study. Absolutely, yes. So the study is the PREDICT-1 study, and it is the largest nutritional study of its kind. And it's so special because it combines technology, uh, machine learning expertise, mainly from uh, Zoe, the health tech startup, and also with really rigorous academic research from uh, leaders in their field, really, from uh, Harvard, Stanford, King's College in London, so it was such an amazing effort between both tech and academia. And it's very special as well because it looks into all the interrelated factors that can affect how we respond to food as individuals, as, as you were saying. And it's really not ju- as simple as just genetics. What PREDICT did is, uh, uniquely, we studied postprandial responses to food. What that means is how our metabolism works right after uh, we eat a food. So it could be a combination of many different metabolites that change in our body when we eat. So usually, though, traditional research just looks into very single, singular factors. Because we were able to combine technology, we were able to look into a multitude of many different factors in uh, 1,000 people in our first study. 
when we look at postprandial responses, what happens is when you eat a meal that contains a lot of different nutrients, you get a whole range of increases and decreases in all these different chemicals in your body that we call metabolites. This increase following meals, and we eat multiple times a day, so we spend our whole day in a, it, mainly in a, a challenged, metabolically challenged state. Um, what, we, what we found is when we look at all these different metabolites, such as, for example, glucose, triglycerides, um, ultimately, these can trigger an inflammatory response. What we also found is these metabolites change such, so, with such dramatic differences between people. The variability between people could be tenfold, for example. And that's really important because it could trigger such a wide variation in people's inflammatory response to the exact same food. And that begs the question that potentially is, is nutrition a way that we could reduce this sort of inflammatory response or changes in metabolites in, that we see in our body that over the long term could lead to chronic disease, as, as you were describing as well. And it's so interesting, it's not only inflammation, but even this variability we saw um, can lead to potential changes in glucose levels, which could affect our hunger and our satiety signals too. So that's all quite individual to all of us as well. And it shows that really what's right for everyone is going to be different. And it raises the question that there isn't just one single diet that should be prescribed to everybody. And we need to start looking beyond the mean or just the average in nutrition research. And we need to look at how guidance potentially should be given on a more individual level. Right. Yeah, either, you know, the lead nutrition research or the latest fad diet that is swiftering the nation that everybody seems to hop on and then get so frustrated because they still are struggling with whatever their desire was to go on the diet in the first place, whether it was, you know, to achieve and maintain an optimal weight or to get those cholesterol, lipid numbers, triglyceride numbers, glucose numbers down. So, yeah, as I said, this is a very robust study. I mean, you said over a thousand subjects, but it also included 600 identical and non-identical twins. So as you said, surprisingly, genetics play perhaps a minor role in determining a personal nutritional response. So also, according to the study, inflammation after meals, and that's what you mean when you say postprandial, varies significantly even among healthy adults. So tell me more about that. Yes, absolutely. So indeed, even with twins, we found that these identical twins were responding differently to food. And it could be because of very different factors that could be impacting how we respond. With, with all the subjects that we saw, other indicators as well. So for example, blood sugar, blood fat, and which could lead to also inflammatory markers, some of them, some of them immune. Um, they were all very different between individuals. And it just goes to show that it's not just about our genetics when we, when we eat. And though we've been told for nearly 20 years that potentially genetics could be determining us, but determining our responses. But I think there's a huge opportunity here in that we're not imprisoned by our genes. We, we, we could do something to change it. And, we, and there are a multitude of other factors that could be affecting what we eat. Um, or how we respond to what we eat. And it's not just what we eat, but also how we eat. All the things around our meal context, potentially meal timing, uh, what we ate before, 
sleep, exercise, all of these things can have such an impact as well. And this is an area that's still early and we're starting to look into more and hopefully with a lot of room um, to help guide and shape how we respond to food. You know, that's I, I, I have been craving a different analogy for this because I just don't like it, but it's the one that makes the most sense to me about genetics. So I'm going to go ahead and say it with uh, asking for forgiveness first, but I've always felt that genetics can load the gun, but your lifestyle and other influencing factors can pull the trigger in a sense. (laughs) Once again, I don't like the analogy. And if anybody can write in and tell me something else that would get that job done, it would be great. But I think that with the, the, um, sort of the science of epigenetics, so around the the tips of the gene, right? You can't change your DNA, but you can change the phenotypic expression or how that gene sort of expresses itself. So you're right, we're not sort of beholden by our genes. And I think that's one of the big teaching points in the last decade of my practice is that when people will come in and go, oh, it just runs in my family, and they push it off as if there's nothing they can do. So let's get to the, the good stuff, which for the listeners is, okay, we need personalized eating plans. You have some artificial intelligence that can help with this, um, which I think it's, you know, it makes sense. We've got research, artificial intelligence is sort of on the rise as far as helping us out in many different areas. How can somebody actually go about um, building one of these plans? Right, absolutely. So with one of these plans, what Zoe was able to do is be able to understand how people respond to food from their blood sugar and their blood fat and such. And then using artificial intelligence, be able to predict how someone might respond uh, based on the algorithm that was created. And because because what happened is um, everyone responds differently. We've been able to feed very standard controlled meals in the form of muffins with very um, mixed but representative macronutrients of normal free-living meals. And we can start to understand the level of variability by working out the primary uh, determinants using, uh, of how people respond using machine learning. And we've been able to create personalized uh, food scores at Zoe to be able to guide individuals on which foods are best for their unique biology. It, that's excellent. So this is great. So. I want to shift just to this this topic because I feel like there's not a day that goes by that I don't talk about this in one way or another, and that is gut health, right? What are you working on and how can people just have better gut health? Because one of the sayings that I used to have in school, and that was over 21, 22 years ago now, is heal the hole. And that's the hole that starts at your mouth and ends back there because so much of your overall health has to do with your ability to, to, right, to take in these nutrients, digest, absorb, assimilate them, allow your biochemistry to be fueled by them. And then, of course, later on down the pipe, we're going to get rid of waste products, hopefully on a daily basis, maybe multiple times a day. But then we've gotten so much research in the past couple decades on probiotics and good bacteria, and then now also the microbiome. So tell me a bit about that. Yes. Definitely. It's a huge area, and we recognize how the microbiome has such a massive effect as well on even modulating how we respond to foods from the PREDICT studies. So we took the largest analysis of how the bacteria in our gut modulates food and health. And 
we found that there are a certain number of bugs in our microbiome that are associated with health outcomes and also diet. So some bugs that are associated with a better diet and better health outcomes, such as, for instance, lower levels of dietary inflammation or, or a more um, desirable postprandial response, and then some bad bugs that are associated with worse um, health outcomes or a less desirable diet as well. And we can separate out these good and the bad bacteria panels, and we could see that they're associated with specific types of eating patterns. What we see also is in people's bugs, there is such huge variability between individuals. So also just to demonstrate um, that to you as well, what we were speaking about with genetics. So identical twins share 37% of their microbiome, and then non-related people will share 35%. So it really isn't just about genetics, and the microbiome tells us there is potentially such room for personalization. And now that we start, we could start to think about advising people on food and diet that helps create the balance of the good and the bad bacteria in the gut. And it's such a great, massive leap forward for the field of nutrition science. It's not just which bugs impact diet or health only, but both. And we can start to personalize recommendations on foods to include um, for, for better health outcomes. Wow. Dr. Haya, thank you so much. So I want the listeners to know, because I'm perusing around this site right now, it's for joinzoe.com, just how it says and is spelled join, J-O-I-N, Zoe, Z-O-E.com. It's easy. You can take a at-home test and discover your unique responses to food and get your personalized eating plan tailored to your metabolism. So I think being at a healthy weight is not just what the billboards are de- depicting here in this lovely small town I live in called Los Angeles. It is about being healthy and reducing inflammation. So what an interesting study and what an interesting artificial intelligence and app that can really help people. Thank you so much for being here. It's such a pleasure. Thank you so, so much for having me. It's a pleasure to speak with you. Yeah. And where can people find more about you? You can find me on Twitter or you can find me also on LinkedIn. All right. That's where we'll send people. Hey, thank you so much. Have a lovely, I think, evening because you are calling in from London and we yes. really appreciate you being here. <laughs> You're taking a call really early. Right. Your time for me. Thank you so, so much for having me. Yes, of course. All right, mindful listeners, thanks for being with us once again and we'll see you soon.